is up? What's happening, people? You are listening to the Downtown Roar podcast. This is episode 15 now. Week 17 of the NFL is in the books. The Lions' seventh overall draft pick is now in the books as well. And it was just one of those games. We, it was a week 17 game. I don't know. I, there was nothing else to say. What's, how are you doing, Tally? Yeah, I mean, after 15 weeks here, I guess you could call this episode 15.5. A little bit of a, uh, a rerun <laughs> from yesterday. Uh, oh. We're Backstory, we recorded. I guess it didn't record officially, so we're just kind of talking to dead space for an hour and 15. But we're here officially for episode <laughs> 15.5 the Lions lost you know a close one and it looks like they're gonna win it so no complaints from that game at all but I guess we can get into it for a second time here yeah I can confirm it says we are recording now so okay that's that, a big big that, news story that is big right there we are recording supposedly last night it just never was recording I there's it's it's Zoom for you, but I mean the show goes on, people. The show goes on, and we must produce for you guys another Lions podcast. Actually, the last one of the year. So I mean, we couldn't skip this one. This is a big one, you know. Absolutely not. Needed to talk this week, and I guess it kind of benefited us a little bit because there's some firings today. The odds again re up for the Lions and their head coach potential. And, and GM interviews as well. So there, there's a lot that kind of happened today in, you know, kind of the dead day, the, the black hole day in the NFL where coaches are let go. So I guess uh, us recording today would have made a little bit more sense in hindsight. Definitely. And, I mean, why don't we just – the unleashing in that Sunday night football game last night, we ended this podcast last night for reference. But everything broke out last night when – Doug Peterson hit the media and whatnot saying he was playing to win that game. I just wanted to touch on this a little bit because we couldn't touch on it last night, but what he did last night, and I'm going to say what pretty much everybody else is saying, but this dude, man, he really pulled his uh, franchise quarterback of the future, his rookie quarterback in a one possession game in the fourth quarter to evaluate a third string quarterback named Nate Sutton. who started before who yes. has started before it's not like this guy's never played before this guy's a veteran he stinks everybody knows he stinks it, it was pretty disgraceful I'm not gonna lie every if you look what Matt Stafford did this week and compare that with what Doug Peterson did the the night after Matthew Stafford went out there with ribs hand whatever he's dealing with it, it's just a punch in the face, really, to everybody in the NFL. He always played a win. That's why you see a lot of these teams like the Jets and the Lions beating the Bears a couple weeks ago. You can't tell these dudes to go out there and not want to win. And what Doug Peterson did yesterday, that's somebody who did not want to win. No, and that's exactly it. You, Matthew Stafford's going out there on, on, on one leg. He's got rib problem. He's got finger problems. You name it, he's got it, and he's still going out there and doing his job because he said he has a responsibility to do every week in the NFL. And that, that it's clear. Doug Peterson, to me, answer this question, Tally. Why are we evaluating a quarterback 
that is a third string quarterback that has nothing to do with the future of, of, of their franchise. Why not evaluate their franchise quarterback in a one possession game on national TV where he could actually face pressure or adversity for the first time in the NFL? Why not evaluate him in, in, in there where he hasn't had that in all season? Well, because um, that little tie that they had at the end of the record makes them more vulnerable in the situation exactly. to losing their draft pick, right? So really they're a four and a half wins team and now they're a five and a half wins team. And with the amount of five wins team, he, they would have dropped big time. They would have went from like six to 12, I believe. I, so I believe we, we all know nine, it's a tanking move. Yeah. So, something like that. Yeah. Something ridiculous to the point, but I mean, it, it's just, he wasn't evaluating anything. He knew what he was doing. No. It, it was, it was, tough to watch but you know what whatever that they're the eagles for a reason they're it they're they got their little super bowl run and now they'll be poverty for a while yeah i just i just had to bring that up because it really infuriated me because i mean just it's just why i don't understand how he could face the media and say he was coaching to win that game that was just ridiculous to me Straight lied to their face. <laughs> Literally. So, I mean, moving away from that game, that had nothing to do with the Lions, but it just has something to do with the responsibility that Matthew Stafford talks about all the time going out there on Sundays and performing to your, the best of your ability. And that's what Matthew Stafford did all year. I am just proud to say that number nine is my quarterback, proud to have watched him for the last numerous years as, as our quarterback. This guy, once again, just put up great stats for us this year. Probably, could, he, he wanted to probably play a little bit better in his standards. But, I mean, the dude was banged up for, what, how many weeks in a row? Like, four weeks in a row since that thumb injury. And he still put up what, what the numbers he put up all year. Yeah, no, he had a phenomenal year with the – with the injuries he came off of with the broken back to the injuries that he had to deal with throughout the year for him to have numbers he had. And ultimately, I don't think he played at the best he can play either. And he still had a great year numbers wise. And that's just a sign to he's not done. He's got a well more in the tank. And if he sticks around, this team could be dangerous. Yep. And, and that, that leads me into just, Claiming that, I think we both agree, Matthew Stafford is the clear MVP of this team this year in 2020. There's absolutely no doubts just because of the way this guy carries himself and the numbers he produces every year. People just forget that last year before his injury, he was... He, he was on his way to his second best season of his career since 2011. Like, this guy is nowhere near done. And I think that GMs coming into this position, they're going to know that this guy is nowhere near done and, and, and where he's digress, uh, digressing instead of progressing. But Matthew Stafford, he had 2,500 yards in eight games last year passing with 19 touchdowns. This guy was on his way to 5,000 yards passing and 40 touchdowns. That's just remarkable for a guy his age and talented as him not getting the respect as what he deserves. 
Yeah, and if you even think about the draft and who a new GM could bring in, sure, maybe he wants to bring in his own guy or and whatnot, but there, I don't think there's anybody in the draft right now outside of, I think, the obvious Trevor Lawrence who's going to be better for this team's future immediately. Nobody really helps that. And getting rid of Matthew Stafford, what does that necessarily do? Like, I, I guess I'm on board with losing him, but I don't, I'm not necessarily on board with just losing him for nothing. Like, If we cut him, that doesn't make any sense. If you trade him for less than like a first-round pick, that doesn't really make any sense either. So it's that kind of that in-between stage. He's got two more years on his contract, right? Like, what? where are we going in those two years that needs to be a must-now move, especially with us picking seventh? That's not really ideal for getting a quarterback. That's right in the bust bust range, I think, especially if you look at Dwayne Haskins. I think he was the last quarterback to go <laughs> number seven. That's yeah. not really working out. He's not even starting for the football team. Shout out the football team. They made the playoffs last night. Good for them. Yep. But um, it, with that being said, Matthew Stafford, I, I think, should just stick around for these last two years unless you trade. Yeah, yeah, and there, there's really no wrong there. I mean, you get a new GM, new head coach, you know, try and do something with Matthew Stafford. There, there are pieces here already set in stone on this offense. It really, it's, it's just, you know, whether what they're going to do at wide receiver in that matter and what they're going to do with this freaking defense that is absolutely horrific. So, I mean... Whatever you do, if you keep Matthew Stafford around, you give yourself a great, a good chance to win games on Sundays in the NFL. So, I mean, you can't go wrong. Yeah, and, and if you even look at Tua this year, I, I guess there's a little bit of a weapons problem with Tua, but all the, all the fans crying and screaming for Tua, that Dolphins team had a phenomenal year, and he was – not very good if you really if you want to be quite honest, like blunt with it Tua was not that good and that was the guy that all of the Lions fans who hate Matthew Stafford wanted and that should just be a testament to where what happens with quarterbacks when they come in to, to the NFL they they're not going to come out and just be the superstars that all the fans want them to be if you want to go with the new quarterback it's going to take time so much time and I'm For sorry sure. if I sound really jumpy right now the United States just took the lead with a minute left. Holy shit, what a shot. Arthur Kelly. No, was that Kelly? If it was, holy smokes. The United States hold on here. They will be going to the cold medal game tomorrow. Wow. Wait, what Finland, a shot. Finland tied it up. Finland tied it up with four minutes left. That's why I was sounded very sad at a moment when we were speaking. <laughs> but Alex Turcott, one of the best players in the tournament, just grinded with no stick. Oh, my God. God, and then to Zegris down low to Kalev out front. What a shot. He hit oh, it with this seconds left. A, with, a, with a minute left. Minute right left. off the edge of his stick, right in the slot, right over the Finns goaltender's glove. Oh, that that bench is fired up, man. Trainers wow. and all. This is a little bit of a preview of what we're going to get into later. The, the World Juniors, as that's been going on. So tonight, that's why we kind of recorded yesterday because I wanted to watch the United States game today. But wow. This game has been everything you could ask for out of a semifinal game. As we wind down the last minute, if anything happens, I'll keep you guys updated. You'll be hearing this tomorrow anyways. But this is why I sound a little sidetracked right now. Electric what a game. Stuff. Electric. Electric stuff going on tonight. Oh, my man. I mean, 
just hockey season's right around the corner. We got what we're less than ten days away now. So I mean, this yep, stuff is just picking up. And with this right on the, finishing coming too, fast. Yep. Yep. With the World sure. Juniors finishing and right into the NHL year, we're gonna have so much hockey to talk about. I know I've been waiting super. Super long for this. I've been excited. The World Juniors has been a breath of fresh air for me. So I, this is the time of the year that I live for. For sure, for sure. And, I mean, where were we with this Lions game? That, uh, new quarterback getting drafted. and um. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, you were talking just about. Just wide. Pua, Pua Tagovailoa. Pua, Pua Tagovailoa right now. As he's, <laughs> no, he's had a ter- Fitz Magic couldn't save him yesterday, and that's why I didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just kidding about two of them, man. I think this guy, I think he, he's going to be good. Yeah, he's going to be good. He, You know, he's just trying to trust himself after that injury. I don't think he's really trusting his legs, his, um, his time in the pocket, whether that is, you know, justified or not. But, I mean, this guy is going to – give him another year, man. You can't write him off in, like, eight games or so. Uh just not a smart move. I think uh, Tua has a great chance. To, I, I always thought Tua has a great chance to be good, especially in that Dolphins system. I mean, I think they got to run some more plays for him, you know, design a couple. They, that's why they fired their offensive coordinator too, Chan Gailey today. So they're going to yep, try and figure that. out something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got talent. He's got all the talent in the world. But again, that's leading right back into Stafford. This is not a simple fix at any single position. It is hard to rebuild a football team. The GM is going to have a big, big task in, in, in front of them. But the thing is, from the last regime and this regime, this regime is going to be about patience. There was no patience when Bob Quinn and um, Matt Patricia got here because Matt Patricia was taking over a pretty good football team that was stepping in the right direction to becoming a a very good football team, and he took them so far behind the power curve that so Lions far. fans don't have – that there's no – I don't think there's any pressure anymore. I mean, there's always, I guess, a little bit of pressure with being a Lions head coach and general manager because this city wants to win so bad. But there's there's not going to be much of an expectation, and I think no matter the case, whether it's three years in a row of finishing under 500, the coach is going to have their – uh, a little bit more leeway, unless they go like zero and sixteen or whatever. Like it's really bad. This, it, I think, this coach will be here five, six, seven years, it, depending how bad it really is. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. And I mean, just looking at also Matt Patricia and and Stafford's numbers. I mean, that's part of the reason why Stafford's numbers weren't where he wanted them to possibly be this year. Because, I mean, if you look at this guy's numbers with Matt Patricia and without Matt Patricia, it's night and day, people. So uh, just that firing just had to happen on every occasion. There was no doubt in our minds that guy needed to be gone, and I'm glad it was sooner than later. I'm glad they didn't wait until after the season on Black Monday. They got it done weeks ago, which is perfect, and now they actually got some of the first interviews going on, on, on head coaches. So that process is already kicking up and firing. Where other teams firing coaches on Black Monday, they got to schedule interviews now. Lions have already proactively scheduled. So they got, I think, Salats on Thursday. They got they had Bienemy today. Um, it, it's firing up. Yeah, no, it's all happening super fast. I mean, the the two main guys we've been preaching for on this podcast are 
are getting interviewed, the first two interviews. So that's that's something that you love to see. Love I it. think those are t- the two favorites for this team as well. I mean, the Chargers are a very interesting option. So that's why I want to get our guy immediately because I don't want them to go anywhere else that's more attractive and they'll get a better offer from because that Chargers team looks uh, quite interesting to coach if I'm uh, being honest here. Yeah, that Chargers team is looking like the favorite. I mean, dude, if Salah were to go there with with uh, Joey, uh, they got Joey Bosa, right? Yep. Yeah, Joey. Yep, with Herbert yet. on a rookie contract, oh, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Like, it's – there's a lot of weapon. Derwin James on defense. Yeah, there's a lot there. It's a little scary because yeah. that team is – I bet they get their number one option because that that's probably such an easy job, man. Like, it – all you have to do is just build a little bit of a defense and you're there because that offense is going to be really good with Justin Herbert. So that's, that's why if you're going to get the enemy, you get him immediately. And they're doing a pretty good job as they have him in this coming week. Same thing with um, Robert Sala. Exactly. And that Anthony Lynn uh, firing actually kind of, you know, that hurts a little bit because now the chargers are, you know, one of the top, top uh, landing spots, but I mean, who knows? Anything can happen. Uh, it all depends on what happens in the interviews, and I'm just glad the Lions are getting a head start at that. But, I mean, going into something a little bit different here, I mean, who do you got for most improved line of the year award in your Ooh, this, I, this is between uh, two people, both, uh, I guess, three. Two of them on the defense, one on the offense. My number one shout for uh, the defense would be Amani because what Amani's done th- – from last year to this year, he's proven to himself, to Lions fans, to the staff, that he can be a, a good corner in the NFL. And I think he's he's solidifying himself as a cornerback, too. And he's he's young, and he's going to be here for, for the rest of his deal. And hopefully, I think he's good enough for us to re-sign in a couple years. Definitely. And people got to remember, this guy, is he was a fifth-round pick. So, I mean, definitely wasn't you know, projected to be what he is now, which is part of the reason why he is definitely in the running for most improved player of the year for the Lions because this guy came out every week on Sunday. I mean, this guy just – he I don't think he missed a game. Uh, he, he just competed. Nope. So and, Every single week. Yeah, and he got beat sometimes, but that, that shit's going to happen. Amani had some bad games here and there, but – this guy was de- your D line's that bad. Oh God! You're it's not. It's brutal. not like you're getting co- the only thing they can do to help that defensive line is get them a covered sack. Because I mean, outside of Romeo Cora, that that defensive line is beat and they're bad. And, and I guess that's another shout for defensive uh, most improved player of the year, Romeo Cora, going from what one and a half sacks to ten. He got it on Sunday. That's a great, great stat line for him that that's a big step up as well. So he he's proved to the franchise he's worthy of keeping and he'll be here next year as well. Yeah, definitely. Congratulations to Romeo Aquara. That was a beautiful sack uh, on Sunday to get him in the double digits for the first time in his career, which is really awesome. I'm excited to see Romeo and Julian, both Notre Dame grads going at it for our Detroit Lions defense next year. And, um, but uh, yeah, Romeo is definitely in the running for most improved player. And just going back to Amani real real quick, I mean, this guy very well was the heart and soul of this Lions DB core. And to your point, 
there it was at, outside of Romeo, there was just no pass rush at all. Whether they were even trying to send linebackers at, at uh, quarterbacks, that wasn't working. Um, and even when they were blitzing, they couldn't get pressure. So imagine that and how hard it is for a DB to be covering these guys like Devontae Adams two times a game. And Imani was going against the best best guys every game, too, besides when Okuda was in. So yeah, for some reason, they're throwing Okuda against uh, wide receiver once every week. That was a yeah. recipe for disaster. Did you see what Okuda said today in the in a, in a uh, press conference? I did not see what he said. He was he just said uh, just flat out that this year was a dysfunction, meaning the coach yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look at the guy he was under. Look how he came in. Didn't have a training camp. I understand why he struggled. Makes complete sense, and he says many people were were off. Uh, uh, just off. Um, what do you what do you call it? Uh, just not not involved and and not um, just didn't have the chemistry. They weren't. They just weren't clicking, and people were off pages. Like and that that that's referring to the coaches. So and that was clear as day too. I mean, just look at this defense. They weren't communicating as, as what he said. The communication wasn't there whether it was between the coaches or the players. And you could see that this guy, just put him in a system that's going to make him thrive. He's going to be nasty next year. I already know this guy's going to enter an elite company and we're going to be very proud of this pick. So, Yeah, I wouldn't be worried about him at all. If The only way I'd be worried about Jeff Okuda is if next year he has a just god-awful year where he's getting torched. I know it takes some time. For cornerbacks, especially in today's NFL, with how good these wide receivers are becoming, it's so much easier for a a rookie wide receiver to dominate the league than it is for um, a rookie cornerback to dominate the league. So if he doesn't make a, a not even a gigantic step forward, but I would like to see him make a large step forward next year, it's it would be a little troubling. But if you just look at Amani where he was last year to this year, Jeff Okuda is a way better corner than Amani is if we're being real. So I, I don't have it really any worry about what where he's going to be next year, especially with training camp. Like th- this guy's going to have a full off season, a full time to work. He couldn't even work out when he was getting drafted. Yeah, you know, every every field in America was shut down for a portion of time. I'm yeah. sure he was working out at home, but it's not like he can get reps against wide receiver ones on the field constantly no when, when we're in the midst of a pandemic. So it makes sense why he struggled. Do I want him to struggle that much in his first year? No, but you, you, there's a little bit of an under, uh, understanding there. No doubt, no doubt, and I'm excited for him next year. Uh, but going into my most improved player, I'm going to go with Hawkinson. I mean, this guy, just because, you know, he – in all facets of the game, he really improved. He improved in run blocking. Uh, he improved. He tripled or he doubled in receiving yards. Uh, and he tripled in passing or receiving touchdowns. So that's a plus. He went from two to six in touchdowns. And then he had like 750 yards receiving. He definitely could have had more if given the, the chance. I mean, there were... It, just some games he was really non-existent part because I think that's just, you know, everything started getting better when Matt Patricia was fired. Hence the irony. Much better. 
Yeah. Much, much better. So no surprise. It, exactly. Just give this guy a year without Matt Patricia, and this guy, we're looking at a thousand receiving yards. Yeah, I think he, he almost got it this year. We in you know what? Half of the year I'd call a dead year. So next year with I mean, maybe a new offensive coordinator, maybe a new offensive head coach who calls the plays, Eric Fanami, we don't know, but I think he's going to absolutely flourish next year. Even if they take a wide receiver in the draft, that'll just open up way more field for him. It, I expect a ginormous step forward from even his first year to his second year, which was huge, even bigger the second to third year. I think he, when we get to years three, four, five with Hawkinson, I think he'll be right there with George Kittle as one of the best tight ends in the league. For sure, man. No doubt. I mean, just just this guy's whole build-up, Iowa tight end. I mean, how could he not? Like, am I getting too far ahead of myself? No, I don't think so. He's, what is he, 21 years old? Yeah. We say it all the time. He's, um, he's a special talent. He's a great route runner. He's a great catcher. He's a great pass blocker. So it's everything about him screams a top three tight end in the league. And I think you can even make the case for him right now as a top four tight end in the league. And he's he's in his second year. It be If we're naming tight ends, he obviously can go Kelsey Kittle. And then I would probably put Darren Waller ahead of him right now. Yeah. But other Darren than Waller's that, nice. who's, who's better than TJ Hawkinson and more consistent? There's not really anybody. No. Nope. And moving into uh, just, you know, Defensive player of the year should be uh, unanimous, I'd say. Uh, It's clearly the guy with 10 sacks and the only pass rusher on this team, actually, since the Trey Flowers injury. And this guy, you know, there was was just no stopping him. I I didn't think we were going to get a double-digit sack guy. We didn't last year because we, again, had no pass rush at all. But, again, Romeo Quar, huge, huge improvement. This guy is the clear defensive player of the year. He forced some strip sacks, a big strip sack in that Chicago game too. I mean, this guy just balled out. Yeah, and kind of came out of nowhere. Definitely. Like, uh, one and a half sacks last year to 10, that's almost a tenfold improvement. So to see to see that is huge, especially for the defensive line going forward with how bad it is. It's nice to have a single bright spot there. And he's getting paid probably like 25 mil less than the other DN. So yeah, that's and, interesting. And he's 25 years old. So let's get it done. Young. Yep. And his brother's coming up. Yeah, Julian's coming up. I mean, dude, we got the Okora brothers. Uh, and whoever we uh, draft in the in, in get in free agency. So should be should be very interesting. Whole lot of ways this um defensive line can get shaken up. I'm not Really, too sure how uh, what's going to happen. The defense line, Trey Flowers could be cut. I'm not sure what they're going to do with Danny Shelton. I think Pensini is going to be able to stay because he had a promising rookie year as a run stuffer. Definitely. So it's it, it's going to be a huge mashup, I think, with this defensive line. I guess I'm kind of for Trey Flowers getting cut. Maybe s- save some cap space, get rid of all these Patriots that we thought were going to be good. <laughs> I guess. I, Really, every Patriot. What? Who are is Deron Harmon? Jamie Collins, Deron Harmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple of them going to be gone. I don't know if Jamie Collins stays. He might get cut. I think that's the only one that I'd be okay with 
keeping Jamie Collins. He had an all right year with a terrible yeah. linebacker corpse. Mm. So I, I don't know. There, a lot of decisions need to be made, need to be made fast, really. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be addressed because this defense is was garbage. And no other way to say it. Defensive line needs help. Linebackers need help. And the secondary definitely needs help. Uh, referring to the safeties, I mean, you got some DBs that are going to stay. Okuda, Amani, and uh, Trufant. So you just got to focus on safety, linebacker, and defensive line for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that, I, there's not a worse linebacker corpse in the NFL. We're aware no. of that. That's why the defense is kind of where it's at. But with the secondary, with the defensive line, I think a lot can be fixed with a new system, with a defensive-minded head coach or a different defensive coordinator that actually likes to blitz. So you can kind of hide your secondary if you can just get to the quarterback a few times in a game. So I, I think it's not almost just the talent where we're lacking. It's definitely a lot to do with the system and how the system's been in place with Matt Patricia. And when he was fired, it's not like you can just switch up an entire system that the, the head coach is running for what, 12 weeks of the season. So that's, it, it was obviously not going to improve over the last couple of weeks. And of course it didn't. No. And one last thing before we, um, uh, move somewhere else is Marvin Jones. You know, I mean, this game uh, going to the game a little bit. Marvin Jones was a huge, huge spotlight, and he, if that was his last game as a Lion, dude, uh, just literally props to him. He balled out for five straight years with this Lions team. It was a great signing from the get go. This guy is a touchdown catcher machine. And another nine touchdown season back to back. He almost went over a thousand yards uh, receiving on the on the year, and he played in every single game. This guy is just really amazing. So, I, it's really looking like it's going to be that was his last game. But I mean, hell of a year in Detroit. Hell of a career, really, in Detroit. Yeah. He, he, I think. He led the league in touchdowns one year. I'll have to fact check myself on that, but I'm almost pretty sure that's true. But it, over his course here, outside of the one year he was injured, he was so consistent. One of the most reliable targets for Matthew Stafford, especially when looking down the field. It was a nice transition from the Calvin Johnson era where we really didn't have a guy anymore. Marvin Jones then, when he had to be the guy, he was. And then once Kenny Galladay came in and was the guy, he took a back seat and he still put up nine touchdowns with Kenny Galladay taking the spotlight. Yeah. So you can't ask more out of the guy. He had some great years here. I love, he's a great person in the community as well. Again, no, no problems with bringing his, him back, but if he wants to leave, go ahead, Marvin, go, go win. Cause you know, you're not doing it here. Yeah. Go get the money and, and go, go get on a, on a better team. I mean, uh, with, you know, a, just, Ugh, I don't even know. But, again, Lions got to figure out what they got to do with wide receiver. You know, I mean, if Marvin Jones is going to walk. Although, before we get into that, Marvin Jones made some great catches on Sunday. A couple great uh, – or that great touchdown catch in the corner of the pylon. That was phenomenal. Great throw by Matthew Stafford. But Quintez Cephas also made a bunch of catches, 
which is a guy that I feel like can definitely come right in next year and make a huge improvement. Not just an improvement, a big, big improvement at wide receiver with Matthew Stafford. He could almost take the Marvin Jones role, I'd say, and and he could he could run with it because this guy, although he had a great touchdown catch, Matthew Stafford put it right there on him, though. I mean, you got to give Stafford all that credit because he put it right in between two guys for him. That was just too easy. But Cephas is running the routes. It looked like he was he was getting that chemistry of Matthew Stafford towards the last four or so games there of the season. So Cephas is definitely a bright spot. I could see him plugging in there. I could see the Lions signing another slot and then franchise tagging Kenny Galladay. That would be, and signing Mohamed Sanu back, I'd say, for veteran presence. So, I mean, you got a good core there if if you plug in the Cephas big improvement. Yeah, he's he's kind of turning the corner, which we thought he was going to. Yeah. When you, when, the first couple of weeks, he – what, Galladay was out the first, I think, week or two. We were without Kenny Galladay. So he had to step up early, and he played all right. He wasn't really getting that many receptions. As we're going down the line more here through week through week, he's he's played better and better. And I could see him definitely being a wide receiver three for this team next year, maybe even wide receiver two if we don't either bring back Galladay or we don't – um. Uh, bring back Marvin Jones or draft a wide receiver. Yeah, it it really took even even took Marvin Jones a couple weeks to get into it. Everybody was using those first two weeks as training camp, which is why this season was kind of you know it was almost quite a bit of a disaster. Even though they were able to play all two hundred and fifty six games, congratulations to the NFL. That was a great accomplishment. No cancellations. Had to point that in there. Yeah, the last couple weeks there were, especially for like the entire NFL, after Thanksgiving, there wasn't a single cancellation. The Lions never really had a cancellation. They had one scare. That was about it. Yeah. Other than that, clean tests everywhere. I can't think of a guy that even tested positive on the Lions throughout the entire, besides the coaching staff. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, did they even, did they test positive or were they in close contact? I'm not even too sure. I think it was close contact because Bevel said he could have coached on Sunday. He could have coached the the, the day after. Oh, yep. So, okay. Yeah. So they yeah. didn't even test positive. Very yeah. unfortunate scene. <laughs> and we lost by 40. So, which I could, has a lot to do with the coaching and uh, Matthew Stafford not being able to play. We can get. We don't have to talk about that week again, but yeah, no, it was really a, a great year. The players handled the new guidelines and rules quite well. So it's a good job to the players on that. Good job to the coaching staff, keeping the players in line. So it's overall bad year for the football team, but good, good year with staying healthy and staying away from the virus. Yeah. And before we get into some hockey talk here, we got to bring up that play that happened in the fourth quarter of that game that pretty much put the Lions in a in a uh, or put the Vikings in a winning formation where they really called a roughing the passer call on Tracy Walker, probably one of the worst calls in the NFL. I wouldn't say ever because there's been a lot more worse calls than that, but this is a huge problem that is going to be happening in the NFL if they don't fix this. How can you bring a quarterback down to the ground? I mean, he wasn't going for the head. He was going for the body. 
and he brought him, he tried bringing him down as lightly as possible, even rolling off to the side of the quarterback. He didn't even pin him straight into the ground. He peeled to the side to roll off of him. I don't know how, that's just textbook. Yeah, no, there's nothing else he could have done in that situation. It was a safety blitz off the rip. He yep. comes screaming through that gap and gets to Kirk immediately. How was Kirk even a passer in that situation? He couldn't even get the ball untucked out of his waist. So that really was one of the worst calls I've ever seen, probably in history. <laughs> but it, I guess it benefited the Lions in the long run. It just If that's in like week five, Oh, I could not imagine the no. uproar out of the fans, especially paired with that Marvin Jones called off touchdown. That, oh, all hell would have broke loose on Twitter. That would have been bad. Really poorly officiated game on Sunday, I must say, for a week 17 Who's surprised? Game. Not, I mean, they're going to give us the, the worst refs so because it's, it's a meaningless game, so we're getting the worst refs. And it clearly showed because those guys were complete garbage. If you can't do your job right, I'm sorry, dude. You're going to get reamed on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no. It really was a horribly officiated game. There's a couple that even more called out were like, what the hell? Like a couple holdings that were called. I'm like, yeah, I guess this is like <laughs> the D team because yeah. they're – there's like five games on at one o'clock and the Lions have the worst crew for them. That's exactly what we got. Rightfully so. Like, it we seems like we it, get the worst crew every week though. I mean, just the countless times where we get effed over, but I'm glad this time it didn't, it didn't F us over for worse. Yeah. It helped us for the better actually this time. Yeah. Helped us lose the game. Helped us secure the seventh overall pick. Sad we couldn't move up to number five, but it is what it is. Yeah, uh, could, a couple things could have worked out our way to get there. Law, I mean, the um, um, doink that went in versus. Oh the Texans, my gosh! Yeah, I was watching that. Could have moved up to six off that if they won that game in overtime, and then that the Eagles just fun. stopped trying in the fourth quarter, down one score. Could have kicked the field goal to get it to like a tie game. Didn't yep, want to do that. Too. Didn't want to try. So that it just what it is what it is with that seventh not that much worse than fifth so there's nothing really too much to be complaining about still a top 10 pick so things are are going to be looking up when it comes to draft time yep and we're and before we get into some hockey like i said we're we're getting some head coach coaching news uh we think we touched on this already we get the robert sala interview this week just please don't let that leave that that man leave detroit on thursday just off from a contract yep. right on the freaking spot right there he takes it. That nothing else to worry about. We got our coach. Get Lewis Riddick on board, and I think that pairing would be incredible. That's all we have to say about uh, about this man. Just offer Robert Sala on Thursday, and that's it. That that's all you got to do. <laughs> yep, and honestly, he's a five to five to four favorite to become the next Lions head coach, which. It's actually an incredible that, like number for how uh, early it is in the process. So he's basically a one to one favorite for the for the next Lions head coach, which is almost a lock when it comes to Vegas. Yeah. The only other person I see getting the job is Eric Bieniemy. So it's I think it's down to two guys. If it's Robert Sala, that's a very good job by the the organization. They'd have done quick. Yes, definitely, and. 
I, I see it being Robert Sala unless it unless you know anything can happen unless it just completely changes uh, turn for the worst. But uh, you know maybe if he likes another offer or whatever whatnot. But I mean it's just that's the pick for me. It's just the charisma that he's got. We said this on podcast before. He's got he has the locker room. Whether it's it's his defense, he has guys on the uh, on on the bench that aren't even starters. They're behind him. Anyone that he plugs in is going to go ball out for him just because of his leadership. I mean, that's everything you want in a head coach and more. He's got everything, everything, everything that you want in an NFL head coach. I bet his charisma does die down just a little bit if he becomes a a head coach in the NFL. Because you you have to be a little bit more level-headed. But I guarantee if his defense get a huge, gets a huge stop on third one, third and two, gets the ball back for the offense, he's going to be fired up. His players are going to be just as fired up for him because they want to play for a guy who has that passion, who wants to win as bad as he does. And that, that kind of culture, it spreads through, through a team, through an organization. It, it's like it, it's something we've been lacking. We've never had a fire out of a head of coach. I mean, if you wanted to look at Jim Caldwell, I don't think I remember that guy even smiling, Matt Patricia. I don't think I've ever seen that dude even move. <laughs> like, I've seen him with his crossed arms and his little frowny face making run, uh, making guys run laps in 106-degree weather in August. So that that's what we've been dealing with. Give me a little bit of fire. We Give me somebody that's going to punch a ref in the face if he makes a bad call. That's yeah. the type of guy I want. Yeah, although I don't, I don't know if the enthusiasm is going to go away because, I mean, if you look at Matt Patricia, he wore a backwards hat in, in his first game as a head coach, so you never know. That, yeah, that's true. That yeah. was uh, ambitious by him. Definitely. Very ambitious. Backwards. That We've never seen that backwards hat since then, since that blowout against the Jets. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, trotting out there with your backwards hat first game ever, we've talked about it. Uh, interesting, interesting, bold move by him. Yeah, and proceed to get blown out by like thirty points. That's that's great. <laughs> Very bad um, opening kind of segment for Matt Patricia. There, backwards hat with the pencil in here gets blown out by uh, yeah. thirty points on Monday Night Football. Appreciate that, Matty boy. Thanks for all the enthusiasm you brought me and your team. Exactly. That literally summed up the Matt Patricia era. Literally, in a nutshell. And thankfully, that that uh, Patricia era is over forever. He'll never probably step foot in state of Michigan ever again. He'll probably never step on a football field ever again because uh, his co- coaching career is more than dead, <laughs> more than finished. Maybe you can go take, like, a defensive line job, idiot. Um, <laughs> yeah, other than that, please stay away from the NFL. Uh, I mean, you yeah. know what? Go, go to, like, the Bears or something. Nah, go coach in the Maction. Matt, yeah, we uh, forget about the Mag. <laughs> the Mag can see. Other than that, I mean, you got anything else on this game? It was just a Week Seventeen game. It was, it, it was that was it. There's literally nothing. I mean, Matt Stafford played well. Um, yeah. Swift had a couple carries. He had like four point five yards per carry. I think he kind of gets absolutely bad next year. Even For if sure. Adrian Peterson comes back. I don't know. He talked about it uh, to the media. If he wants to be around for a rebuild, if 
the Lions will have him, the new regime will have him. Again, I don't have a problem with that. I never really had a problem with Adrian Peterson being here. I've had a problem with Adrian Peterson getting 10 to 15 carries a game, which has been kind of the mindset of the Lions. With the new guys coming in, I'm almost sure, especially when a next year, next year when he's a year older, he won't be getting as many carries. He won't be getting fed. He'll be there to mentor DeAndre Swift and help turn DeAndre Swift into a top-end running back in today's NFL. And I'm sure DeAndre Swift would be more than open to keeping a legend on the football team as well. Definitely. Dude, DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson already talked about how how their uh, chemistry and and how they, they pick each other apart, man, and, and just how they grow with each other. And they just have a great bond. So I wouldn't mind it because DeAndre Swift, he's young. He's got a lot of learning to do. And to learn from Adrian Peterson, that's pretty special. So One of the best to ever do it. I guarantee you DeAndre Swift is actually advocating to bring him back. I don't know where that really fills in with carry on Johnson staying on the football team much longer. Yeah. I, I keep him around. He's a good pass blocker, but she can kind of get a good pass blocker. I like carry on Johnson. I think he was good. He's just, he's very injury prone. You never know when he's going to go down. So if Adrian Peterson sticks around and they end up cutting, I don't carry on Johnson. Is that the biggest issue? No, I don't think it is. Yeah, the knees aren't great on carry-on. You don't know how much he's going to last. So He he did look good in the pass blocking. He did look good on third down. So maybe you give him a third down job. I mean, I don't know. It's it's too tough to call right now. You got AP for the goal line stance, which he should he should only be on the field for third and ones in, yep. in goal line situations. For sure. Other than that, give DeAndre Swift 20 carries a game, man. He can literally dominate out there. If you get him going right or left and move and pulling the offensive guard, it it's it's going to work out for him. He's going to be running for over 100 yards a game every game next year if you just feed him. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, DeAndre Swift. He's going to ball out next year. I could see this guy hitting over 1,000 yards. I mean, dude, he was our first 100-yard Rusher in a in a, in a game since Reggie Bush. So no, I was, had second, second, second. Because oh. uh, carry on. I remember I was at that game. It was insane. We were we were all counting down. <laughs> the, the streak was going to be broken. He was at like seventy at halftime. And oh, we're like oh, it's time. actually going to happen. It's actually going to happen. And then uh, carry on got there, and we all thought this was the next uh, good Lions running back. He didn't That's have a right. And then, and then carry on got her and carry on's really never been the same since uh, his two injuries. Was it last year, the year before? Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, definitely unfortunate, but that probably wraps up this game and move into some hockey. Again, we are literally days away from the opening night of Detroit Red Wings hockey, and that'll be back. But, I was literally paying attention to all your tweets this week about the World Juniors tally, so I've been pretty caught up to it. Um, just there's been some magnificent, magnificent, can't even speak, but great plays out of the Swedes, out of our Red Wings Swedes in this World Juniors. Yeah, the Swedish Red Wings, Swedish uh, Mafia, 
is was dominating the tournament until they uh, sadly uh, left the tournament due to their loss in the quarterfinal to the Finns, who the United States actually just beat in the semifinal. But if you want to talk about some promising young individuals that are going to make a difference for this Detroit Red Wings hockey team, look no further because this Swedish team was absolutely electric to watch during this tournament. Lucas Raymond, the guy that we got it for, if you're, if you're judging it off of this, this tournament specifically, I think he was the best player outside of Trevor's Egress on the United States. And I don't think it was really close. He has a knack to find the puck. He gets in a great scoring zone, scoring opportunities. He sets up extremely well. He's good on the power play. I think Lucas Raymond could end up being the second best player in this draft behind Alexis Lafreniere, who went number one overall, of course. Time's going to tell. He'll be on the Red Wings roster next year, not this year. He's going to go back to Frolunda, and he's going to play a full year against Grown. Then he's going to develop. He's going to get better. He's going to be playing with his Swedish teammates, Elmer Soderblom, who had a phenomenal tournament. Sixth-round pick last year. He is 6'7". That is ginormous for a hockey player. The average hockey player is 5'11 in the NHL. This dude is enormous. How and tall he's is Chara? Got, Chara's 6'9". Uh, so he's, he's got two inches on. He's two inches below Chara. Is that 6'7 on skates? No, 6'7's without skates. Without so skates? Re- realistically, this is 6'9". So, yeah, he, he's a big boy to say the least, and he lit up the tournament. He was the Swede's second-best player, probably, outside of Lucas Raymond. So this is a sixth-round draft pick who I really didn't know existed until this tournament, and they were kind of talking about this kid. Oh, he – especially the players before the tournament, they, they were asking Lucas Raymond who was going to be kind of the, the shock of the tournament, and he said – I wouldn't be surprised if it was Elmer, our big boy Elmer. Yeah. And um, I think that's pretty safe to say after this six, seven, just huge man scored two through the legs goals out front. He's got nifty, nifty hands. He's quick, deceptively quick for how big he is. And again, his hands are way, way above the power curve for a power forward. So I think we kind of have another a better version of johan franzen and hopefully this one stays healthy and he's oh, bigger than johan franzen and, and i think he's got more skill than johan franzen and he's only like 20 years old if that i don't i don't know his exact age at the moment but if he was drafted last year he's probably 19 right now so that would be at the end of it this kid i think this kid can be here in two years it just keep developing himself he's a little bit you know, wonky because you know, I mean, you got to grow into your body. You're 19 years old and you're six, seven. That's tough to get in your body. So I think we kind of have a star in the making there. Albert Johansson on the blue line was the Swedes. Um, he's on the second D pairing. He played a ton of minutes. I think he logged like 25 in the quarterfinal loss. So literally the entire Swedish team was like, wow, this is a bunch of Red Wings. This is really fun to watch. They impressed me throughout the entire tournament. Sadly, they lost. We would have saw a United States-Swedish game today, which would have been a conundrum for who I was going to root for because obviously I always want to see the United States win. But with the amount of Red Wings on Sweden, it wouldn't have killed me to see. But with that happening, 
this World Juniors has been just been awesome to watch. The United States versus Canada is going to be tomorrow night at 9 p.m., right around when the podcast actually is released. So next week we're going to have a, a gold final game to talk about. Really, really excited. Hopefully the United States can actually pull this one through. This Canadian team is really, really good. 21st-round picks, like we said last week. It's a ridiculous roster. But if there's going to be a team to beat them, it's going to be the United States. I'm definitely going to have to watch that game tomorrow. 9 o'clock, NHL Network. NHL Network, yes. That is that is going to be great. And So I mean, much talent on the ice. Oh. So, so much. And going back to Johansson, I saw a clip of him uh, skating end-to-end with absolutely just no problem. It looked like with ease, just skating by everyone's stick skills, uh, everything and beyond. He was quick. Um, definitely, definitely a defenseman that we should be very, uh, very high on for the future. Yeah, and we were kind of deprived of seeing his actual pairing. Albert Johansson was going to play with William Wallinger, who sadly couldn't Ooh, make the tournament Wallinger. because of, of of COVID, and he was the Red Wings' second round pick this year. That would have been a whole lot of fun. Could you imagine if there was already a line full of Red Wings out there on the power play? That would have been great. Yeah, we could have seen a whole entire just line, not just the power play line, a line playing together every single shift. That would have been fun. Hopefully, we see it next year because I see I think a lot of these guys actually returns to the uh, return to the Swedish team next year outside of Lucas Raymond. A little sneak peek into next year. I think he's going to be a Red Wing. Yeah, he's too talented not to be. Yeah, and if the if the Red Wings get the number one pick, I guarantee you they have a whole lot of new faces next year because the number one pick will be NHL ready, whoever they go with, Owen Power, Atu Ratty, who the United States actually just knocked out today in the uh, so the semifinal, who I'm not too high on actually. I didn't, I don't know he's talented enough to take a top three risk on him. So. As, as the year goes on, I'll have to kind of watch some more games, re- develop my full scouting on him. But right now, I want it to be Owen Power and Michigan Man. Three three guys on Michigan this year could go in the top five, realistically. Owen Power, a big, tall 6'5 defenseman who moves the puck extremely well. Kent Johnson, who is an electric forward, scores a ton of goals, really flashy. Reminds me of Shvechnikov in Carolina. And then you have Matthew Berniers, who's on the United States team right now as an underage forward, and he's dominant. He looks extremely good. So three top five picks on uh, Michigan, that's a fun team to watch even after this World Juniors. I'll be tuning into a lot of games for them, seeing who I really like, who I want the Red Wings to take. Maybe down the line, maybe get a little scouting job like uh, Nick Crom, our buddy Nick Cromwell, drafting all these Swedes for the Red Wings. Maybe I can help them with some Michigan guys. <laughs> Yeah, man, I love it because we're already talking uh, team tank for our Red Wings, even though oh, we're we're full team tank, even though they're going to be better this year. It's full yeah. team tank. Yeah, better than the worst team pre- almost ever in the NHL last year, and we still didn't get the first overall pick. Actually, got fourth for that matter. So, yeah, uh, Gary Bettman won some more ratings. He won to yeah. give uh, a team that made the playoffs the number one pick. And shout out to uh, Gary Bettman for that. That's Thanks, awesome. Gary. I pre. That's actually my most viewed video on um, Twitter, with, <laughs> like over like five thousand views. I said, "Take a laugh, idiot!" To yeah. Gary Bettman. Yeah. That was 
the best reaction was when we got fourth in in the draft lottery. I was on Periscope for that. Had like fifty guys in there, and it, my reaction to that moment was, it really happened again. We really fell again. The Red Wings didn't even tank. That's the, that's the worst it. part. They didn't even tank. They're just that bad. Like I'm sorry, Gary. We really just sucked. I apologize that Ken Holland left us in probably the worst situation ever. But oh you know my what? gosh, it was horrible. None of that even matters anymore because we have Steve Eiserman. Nothing even matters. We've already seen the magician work this offseason. I mean, this guy, uh, this year should be, you know, actually fun to watch, I'd say. Way better. The first two lines are kind of going to carry this team a little bit, but the depth is just so much more improved. Oh Justin Applicator at times was playing second to third line minutes. Holy he didn't hell. even score a goal. Didn't even <laughs> score a goal. So this year, with I think Fabry actually is going to center this year from what I'm hearing. I love Fabry. Fabry's going to be down the middle. Zadina's going to be on the left wing. Bobby Ryan's going to be on the right wing. So I, the, the top six is actually going to score a lot more goals than they did last year. The power play is going to score a little bit more. Do this team, does this team still suck? I Probably. Are they going to be overly bad to the point where – they're unwatchable. Absolutely no. not. Yeah. Are they going to be in line to get the first overall pick? Probably with yeah. the division that that they're in, it's possible because we play Tampa like eight times. So Owen oh, the eight versus Tampa could really put a stain on the on the record there. And we play Dallas, who was just in the Cup Finals, well eight times. It's a little bit. It, the Red Wings got a little bit screwed on the division realignment, but again, we fight through. Red Wings gonna make the playoffs. That's my uh, hot take. Uh, <laughs> not being, I'm being serious a little bit. Not really. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't be opposed. No, actually, I mean, you know, the top pick would be nice. So, you know, it'd be nice for once to have one top pick in this franchise. We never had like we can't get one ever. The Pistons can't get one. The Red Wings can't get the one. I mean, I guess the the Tigers have had one, but the, the draft for baseball is not overly important. Yeah, yeah, the, the Tigers have had, you know, they've been horrible for three straight years now. So I think this is the, the third or fourth time picking in the top five again this year. So that that's that's great. Uh, I mean, also the MLB doesn't have a lottery, so it's wherever you finish. And so is the NFL. So, I mean, just, you know, Pistons and Red Wings just have had horrible lottery luck. It's just, it, it's undeniable. It's actually ridiculous at this point. <laughs> like the city can't catch a break ever. No. There's no breaks ever. Whatever. Both teams are getting better. I mean, you can't really say anything about the Lions getting better, but the Red Wings and the Tigers are both getting better. And I think this year is both for both teams. I think the Red Wings and the Tigers are going to make large steps forward, depending who the Tigers go out and get in free agency. So the product is beginning to become watchable, thankfully. Because we've had a couple of years where the product is just not watchable whatsoever. Thank you. Thank you. It's just about time. Oh, we've been deprived. I mean, what was it? We Detroit has experienced the most losses ever out of their power four teams in any Great stat. in any city. So just appreciate that city of Detroit sports team. Just... Really appreciate that one. A complete the good thing is, Ty, though, we're tanking at all the same time. All four teams tanking. So, in the next couple of years, one of them has to be decent, right? 
And, and the, the worst part is it's actually going to be the, the Red Wings or the Let's first go. game. Which is hilariously bad because the Red Wings are going to be the last team to, to do that full rebuild. But I guess yeah. it's a little unfair when you have the best GM in the city and you give them a little bit. It, you give the other GMs a head start and they're still catching you. It's kind of – it's a bad sight to be another pro GM in the city when you, are, when you just have one that's that good. He's a dangerous man. He's very dangerous. And he's going to get us back because, you know what, he went through this exact same process when he was drafted here. Fourth overall pick, which actually is the highest pick. Lucas Raymond was the last time we picked in the top five, and he was wow. picked fourth, just like Steve Eisenman. Maybe a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, could Maybe be. Maybe the next uh, great Red Wings captain, although – you know, Dylan Larkin, I think, is going to get to see. Steve Eisman says they plan to name a captain. I have D. no Larkin. doubt that it's going to it's going to be Larkin. Love me some D. Larkin. He's got to make a step forward this year. I he especially in the offensive zone. He's put up some points. He, he's regressed a little bit since his his uh, rookie season, but he's gotten a lot better on both ends of the ice. And he's a great leader. I don't see any reason for him not to be the captain. I'm excited for it. The captain naming a captain is going to be going to be fun. It's finally going to be nice to be able to wear a, a Red Wings jersey with the C on it. That's not like Lichstrom or Zetterberg or, or Eiserman. It's finally going to have – we're going to have one. Finally going to have a captain. That would be amazing, and we're looking forward to playoff hockey sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, this year, like I said. Yeah, yeah this, year, this year. Hot take, hot take this year. But, I mean, other than that, Tally, I think that that will all be it for me. Wraps it up. Point, uh, take two. Yeah, wrapped take up. two. Take two is officially wrapped up. Um, this podcast will be out tomorrow. Recording is still in my site, so there should be no problems. This should be uploaded uploaded tomorrow. You guys will be listening to that uh, Wednesday. Or no, Tuesday is tomorrow. This was Monday. This was yep. uh, loser another loser Monday, the last loser Monday of the year. Uh, thank Thankfully. you, Lions. Thank you, Lions, for another great season. You know, even though we had many downs, it was still fun. Week 17 was great. We got probably some playoff football to talk about next week. You know, always got to talk about playoff football, and we're going to be talking about um, the World Juniors uh, championship game, gold game. And that should – and maybe we're possibly going to get into some Detroit Red Wings previews, maybe some some predictions of ours, top goal scorer, this, that, whatnot. And, yeah, that should be really fun. Yeah, and we can actually, when the games get started for our weekly podcast, we can do a prediction, and we'll we'll actually keep tabs on our predictions and see who has the overall better record for the 56 games. Now, that would be fun. That a little, great. little competition involved with this one. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, that'll do it, baby. And, again, we'll be, we'll be back next week. Thank you all for listening. Tune in. Again, follow us on Twitter, downtown underscore roar. You're listening to the downtown roar. Thank you all for listening once again. We appreciate your support. Peace out, everyone. Have a blessed yeah. day.